Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. <laughs> I'm su- surprised you didn't hit. Oh, there's the scared yeah. Yelp. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've done that like three times leading up to this. I, I don't want to overkill it too much, but um, that's right. The Yelp, because I'm scared. And why am I scared, Lucas? You were scared because Halloween is this weekend. I yes, yes. When this is yeah, yes. Halloween <laughs> is actually even if from, yeah, Halloween is this upcoming weekend, and um, I don't know about you, but. I'm a, little, I'm a little nervous. I'm gonna get spooked. Yeah, yeah. You want to tell uh, the audience what you're doing for Halloween weekend? I will be up in the Bay Area for Halloween weekend. I will be attending Outside Lands and then hanging out with some friends in the city. So very excited for that. Um, I hope it's a safe event. Uh, I hope there's no not too much spookiness going on. I scare easy. You know, if there's any Slenderman cosplay. I will cry. <laughs> yeah, there will be people in Halloween costumes oh, for, for sure. sure. Right? Yeah, all yeah. My, my friends I'm going with, we all got a, uh, we got onesies. Oh yeah, yeah, skeleton onesies. That's the best. oh yeah. Apparently, that's the best we could come up with. Um, <laughs> you don't sound like you're a big fan of it. <laughs> no, not really. It's fine. Um, I was gonna say none of them listen to this, but I think Connor listens. So actually, well, Connor, you didn't pick the onesies, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> They're nice onesies. It's actually it's very soft. Um, I'm, I'm actually, oh, you already put I, it on I, already. I, I, naturally, uh, okay. I'm excited to lounge in it um, <laughs> post Halloween, just cause. So it's gonna be a good time. What yeah. do you got? What do you got going for Halloween this year, my guy? Well, nothing planned formally. Um, I'm actually shooting a short film with producer Sam on Saturday and Sunday, which is Halloween weekend, the 30th and the 31st. Um, so we'll kind of see, you know, if, if there's any time Halloween night to go do something, maybe go do something. Um, I have actually started jumping into some scary movies. Uh, I was watching Cabin in the Woods the other night. Um, and then... I don't know if that counts. <laughs> that's a scary movie. There's like straight up like pretty gory deaths in it actually gore is not scary though gore is just like oh shit there's some gore <laughs> it's scary it's it's yeah. like i mean not to spoil the ending but like the ending is not the ending is a scary ending i know it's all it's undercut with a little bit of comedy but it's for sure it's for sure a horror movie it's just a horror comedy yeah How about that that's palpable. Yeah. um and then i was watching phantasm last night 1979 um like oh. kind of Horror movie. Yeah, uh, I, I watched it a lot. Producer Sam will remember. I mean, we watched it a lot growing up and uh, it was always kind of a freaky movie. Um, and I think for a while it was always on like top top list for horror movies. Uh, and, you know, it's going back and watching it now. It's pretty corny uh, in a lot of ways, but, you know, kind of genuinely scary in some ways. I was watching it actually before we started recording here. Um so yeah, just kind of just kind of getting in the spooky mood a little bit. Not sure if I'll really be able to partic- participate so much on the Halloween festivities, but I certainly hope so. Yes. Well, any any when when can the people expect a trailer for this short film, or perhaps a <laughs> a release date? You know. Oh man, uh, no release date yet. Um, I don't know if I could. I don't know if I producer Sam wants me talking about it so much, but um, you know, the working title right now is called Nights. Uh, I'm starring in it. So that's very exciting. Um, so hopefully the fans will be able to get get to see it in the next few months. Uh, editing usually takes a very long time. So 
Um, we're going to be shooting over the next two weekends and then getting in the, into the editing room over winter. So we'll see how things go. I'm very excited. I've never, <laughs> I've never seen you, um, like really act in a, I, I know you did your previous short film with him, but have like proper dialogue and stuff. So I am very excited to, um, yeah, it, it, it may shape the future of this podcast. <laughs> it's been going. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope I do well too. Obviously I think you're going like, to win. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I hope I win. And I there's always going to, there's always going to be a certain level of nerves and stuff like that, but there's been a lot of rehearsal, a lot of prep, you know, and I think, I think a lot of things come down to like grinding things out, practicing, yeah, uh, getting better and things yeah. like that. So, um, been doing plenty of that for sure. Yeah. It's going to be fun, but all right, everyone, while this is occasionally a podcast that stands at various movies, may surprise you all to know we are not a movie podcast we are a gaming podcast <laughs> that's why everyone today we are finally blending the genres today we are talking about the number one horror movie simulator until dawn Before we go into this any further, though, I would like to do a little self-promo self for the fans. As always, everyone, leave a review if you haven't already. Apple Podcast. Um, who's more likely to play Spider-Man in a movie, me or Lucas? Let us know. Um, who's going to die first in Good a debate. horror movie? Let us, let us know. Maybe start your own podcast about that topic. I don't know. Uh, leave a follow on uh, Spotify or subscribe where you listen to your podcast. Helps us grow. And hey, shoot us an email. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. Most recently, we got an email from a very exciting fan uh, offering to uh, grow our Instagram for a fee, which was very much clearly <laughs> legit. So um, <laughs> love, love those. <laughs> love those. Um, and, and shame on you if you, you buy Instagram followers. Let's be honest here, right? That's what I say. Um, <laughs> a little quick dig at some people maybe i don't know yeah seem like um it. but that aside choose an email thanks for pod at gmail.com follow us twitter instagram tfp podcast that's tfp podcast at the end come hang out join our discord links on our link tree at those social handles as well as on our website thanks for playing dot live all right everyone lucas until dawn that's this was right. a fun that's one right. for you and me it really was yeah yeah, 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 it was. Uh, you know, 2015 interactive horror game developed by Supermassive Games, starring Remy Malik. Before he's yes. really taken off into sort of this new level of stardom that he's in, um, as like a bona fide, you know, great. He's actor. incredible. Yeah, um, Hayden Panettiere. I mean, he's always been great, but I think the 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 Bohemian Rhapsody role really really took him to the next level, <laughs> as far yeah. as like. Uh, people rec people recognizing that Hayden. I mean, Panettiere. he was in some big things before that too. He was in Mr. Robot. Um, was Night Mr. Robot Night before Museum this? Two? Oh my God! Yeah, um, he played Ramses, right? <laughs> yeah, he was in. Um, he starred in the Pacific, uh, which is a HBO um, war show. On a was Mr. Robot 
before uh what year was mr robot because this came out in 2015 I, i'm pretty sure mr robot was after this was uh released mr uh, robot was started in 20... 2015 as well actually okay so that means they were he was probably working on both projects at the same time um so i, I know mr robot is considered to be a huge breakout role for him as well because i mean playing in not at the museum is not not like the same thing as having your own critically acclaimed show uh, but Remy Malik nonetheless is in this game and I think it's, he shines through very, very well, um, as spoiler alert, as always really great villain, yeah. uh, and Hayden Pantier. Well, not even uh, necessarily most- a villain, right? I mean, this game, he is a villain, but he also, he just, he's very good at playing the disturbed character. Like there's like mentally, Ill. literally it's his eyes. It's his eye. It is. Yeah, let's just say it right there. <laughs> yeah, he's got them bug really. eyes. <laughs> he. Uh, this also has Hayden Panettiere from Heroes. Yes. Uh, most notably, um, very very famous role in a very big TV show that kind of is a generation later at this point. But uh, I grew up watching Heroes. Love Hayden Panettiere, and she pretty much killed this role too. Um, nine out of ten by Game Informer for this game. Uh, Seven point five from IGN. 6.5 on Polygon, it's the lowest score I saw, and uh, on Metacritic, uh, 79 out of 100. What, what did you say so, IGN gave it? A 7.5 oh. out of 10. Yeah, Game Informer gave it the highest rating I saw of a 9. There could have been a 9.5 thrown in there from another one, but um, the, the, it actually ranges quite a bit because Poly, Polygon gave this one a 6.5. And, uh, and the Metacritic score overall turned into 79 out of 100. So, um, you know, kind of a hot or cold game as far as ratings go. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I think, and I think I understand why, because I, I definitely have a lot to say about the game um, from, from a few different perspectives. Certainly enjoyed the game quite a bit, especially our gaming experience, which we're going to get into. Uh, this game was really fun to play through um, in the way that we played through it, for sure. It was the best October spooky Halloween experience I've had so far, and Halloween is this weekend. So uh, <laughs> for all of October, this one took the cake for sure. Yes, and before we go any further into it, I would like to give everyone just a uh, brief explanation of the game and uh, what what's all is going on in the story here. As always, I do my best to keep these synopses uh, generally spoiler light. However, as always, spodcast, what the hell? Uh, in this podcast, <laughs> spoilers will always ensue at one point or another. So just something to be mindful of um, going forward in this episode. So without further ado... Until dawn. So during a party at the family lodge on Blackwood Mountain, a cruel prank is played on Hannah Washington that makes her run away into the woods. Her twin sister Beth follows her, but the two are seemingly pursued by a man wielding a flamethrower. In the end, the twin sisters fall off a cliff's edge. No bodies are found, and the sisters are declared missing. One year later. Hannah and Beth's brother, Josh, invite the friend group from the last party consisting of Sam, Chris, who will, for the rest of this podcast, be referred to strictly as sicko mode, um, <laughs> Ashley, Emily, Matt, Mike, and Jessica to come and party again because Josh just wants to try and have fun and move on, guys. Come on. It's just my sisters, whatever. Um, <laughs> mysterious and horrific events start occurring to the group. The haunting start. And they must explore the mountain and the lodge to uncover the secrets of what is happening and to save themselves before help arrives at dawn. All right. That was a great 
spoiler free synopsis for sure. Um, so yeah, total total uh, cliche setup right there. I mean, bunch of teen, bunch of teenagers, <laughs> literally a cabin a in the woods, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, going into a cabin, a cabin on a mountain. Um, all all that fun stuff that sets up for a really good horror story. Um, and the way me and Matt really played this one actually was uh, in person together. Since uh, as you guys who have been following the podcast for a while know, me and Matt are now neighbors uh, living here in LA, which is really great. And we were actually able to play this one together. So we really treated it like we were watching uh, like a movie or like a TV show, uh, switched off the controller. Um, whatever decisions I made were my own, whatever decisions he made were his own, made it very clear that I would not influence the decisions he would make. <laughs> and uh uh yeah some 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 crazy stuff happened as a result for sure very much very much yeah this game came out um yeah 2015 right and then developed by supermassive and published by sony supermassive has gone on to do quite a few more of these uh the style of game right they've done they certainly have a niche they for sure. do the most notably well they actually they released um both sequels and prequels to this game i believe um, on PlayStation VR, which is very interesting. And then most recently they've been releasing, um, I'm, I'm not really sure like how the, this works, if it's all one like series or separate um, games and like a general it's universe. An, it's an anthology. It's an anthology. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they've been releasing the Dark Pictures Anthology series. They've had three released so far. And they just recently released uh, Little Nightmares 2, which... I haven't played Little Nightmares 2, but I did play the first one and I really liked it. It's very good. I didn't know that. I didn't know you played that. That's cool. Yeah. It was a, it was a, yeah. I played that one in my early streaming days. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Back in, uh, 2018, 2019 stream that one. Back yeah. when, the, when the streaming career was going super strong. Yeah. 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 I was the Yu-Gi-Oh streamer for a while, but that's a podcast for another day. Uh, shout out to Katie who just joined the Discord. Welcome, welcome to the party. Katie. Uh, find us on nextplane.live. All right, first impressions. Um, I'll, I'll kick this one off. I gotta be honest, man. It just feels like a teen horror movie and that's fucking awesome, <laughs> right? It's uh -huh. so fun. Um, every Everything about this just screams stereotypical horror when we think of the genre, right? Um, silly teenagers that are being very arrogant about a dangerous situation um you know deserted isolated snowy winter dark nighttime mines um everything about that just screams stereotypical like teen horror slasher movie and what totally. i love is as you play the game and as it goes on it it leans into that at every way possible you know it doesn't at any point in my opinion at least it doesn't in any way try and be something smarter than what it is i don't really feel like there's any hidden meaning you know there's 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 no comments there's no commentary on capitalism or socialism here right you know it's just yeah it's yeah, just totally. a fun it's just a fun horror game that yeah. is a very clearly heavily inspired by like teen horror movies slasher movies and things of that nature and it's so good <laughs> so good i don't think i like the story as much as you do that's but okay. I, I agree with you out. on a lot of what you're saying. Yeah. So my initial thoughts are, yes, absolutely. Total cliched horror story and everything um, that I think is has a really great first half and a really fall or a second half that falls a little bit flat is like my overall analysis. And, and maybe it's that that's the way slashers kind of go. Um, it's like the first character death went and, and to be clear, not all the characters have to die. If it's your first playthrough, inevitably characters will just die. 
um the first character death was like jaw dropping with josh and the buzzsaw and everything it was like holy shit this <laughs> is crazy then at a certain point near the end when characters kind of just started dropping like flies it kind of I know it's it, every playthrough is really unique in this game, but the way our story played out, some of the big story beats, it was kind of like, okay, well, that was lame. It, some of the deaths just didn't hit as hard as certain other deaths, I guess is what it comes down to. And I think, I don't know if that's necessarily story or pacing or whatever, but I mean, it certainly, um, that second half just wasn't as strong, in my opinion. Well, it's interesting, right? Because when you, and I mean, you and I looked at the flowchart. To be clear for everyone, the basis of this game, it's kind of like a choose your adventure game. Very much in vain to say a Telltale game like the Walking Dead series, or something like Detroit Oxen Free, Human, Oxen Free, Heavy Rain, all that John, all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, and Lucas, you and I both looked at the kind of not the full like flow chart of things, but we looked at how things could how have things been could different. have played out. And I, I think something that should be acknowledged with this game too, right, is when when you create when you're building a narrative where it is choose your own adventure. And there are so many different ways a character can die and at so many different points in a game. You know? I mean, so many of these characters died early where they could have feasibly reached the end of the game, right? I think it becomes difficult to build out the story beats of the narrative, right? Because you, yeah. or at least to make the story beats as meaningful. Because I mean, for example, maybe at you know point C, if we had player A alive, that maybe would have been a lot more impactful instead of only having player um x y and z alive right so i think that's something that has to be taken into account with this game and i mean honestly it's a fault of it i think i mean i think uh it's just a it's an ex extremely hard challenge it's a challenge solve. and i know i think you know i like to try and hold games to high standards so we'd like to think we could overcome the challenge but i think it's something that with this genre overall it's always going to be a struggle right yeah that's right um i think I mean, I don't know if you agree with me on the whole, like, I th we, so we played this game in three sessions. Um, they were like two to three hour sessions. Uh, the first time we, the first time we picked it up, uh, we were drinking, drinking alcohol, playing the game. Uh, it, it had a really interesting premise at the beginning. Um, there's sort of these interludes where you're, uh, you're first person talking to a psychiatrist. Um, in these, like, in a psychiatrist's office during kind of what are basically dream sequences really great acting coming off of that character dr hill um so basically you'll be playing through the game making these choices that are possibly leading to the death of another character down the line um there's a lot of heavy character development in the front end and there's a lot of these psychiatrist dreams at the front too and the game kind of builds up in this really mysterious way where you're like oh man where are they going with all this what's going to happen and then like once things once some twists come around and some reveals happen um and characters just start kind of dropping it's cool and it's like shock but it's it's not as interesting I, I think the beginning of the game is like really interesting sets up a really interesting premise all that's really cool but i don't know it, it just it, it didn't have as strong of a third half our th last third i think and climax yeah do I you think, agree uh, or nah i think a lot of that too plays into the fact that by the third of the climax again spoilers ensuing kind of the big mysteries are, have all been solved. And it's just yeah. a matter of who's going to live at this point and who's going to die, which I guess for you and I who were so, I mean, I feel great. I, I feel like story is obviously a very important thing to you. You can disagree. And I think it becomes less of a story game at that point and more of a, like a, a gore fest and seeing who can survive the gore fest. Right, right. But you start feeling like there are certain 
things that happened way, way early on in the game that are leading to an inevitable character death in some sort of way too, which I think is an interesting feeling. It's not a pure negative, but that is that is something about these games that I want to touch on for sure. I mean, yeah, but I, I, I think depending on how you played the game, if you made good choices, I think the gave you reasonable avenues to avoid that character death, right? I think a perfect example. Some. I think I mean Some. a perfect example is for um, Ashley in sicko mode. Sicko mode. <laughs> yeah, just call him sicko mode. Um, sicko mode. Mine and Lucas's favorite character was killed by like one of these when a Wendigo, which is like one of these demon things chasing them in the, throughout the game. And what we later found out was that no matter what happened, cr sicko mode was going to die because we made I. I made Matt. Made. <laughs> I made a poor choice earlier in the game that would have resulted in another character, his love interest, Ashley, just letting me die no matter what. But you don't know if that was a poor choice in that moment. That's my point. Well, that's you the reason of these games, right? Though I mean, that's like the whole butterfly effect thing of the. But but on. you just made it. You just made a choice. You know what I mean? And like, it might have been the right choice at the time. It's probably, you don't know if it is or is not. You're just seeing a consequence of it play out. But we didn't even get to see the consequence of you making that choice because you died before you got to the consequence of that choice. So the butter, so it falls, that that choice, that setup ends up falling flat for me. That's, that's why, that's the way I feel about Sicko Mode's death is that he didn't even end up, you didn't even, the payoff didn't happen because. You, the quick time event because <laughs> he got killed by a Wendigo. I see what you're saying. And I mean, that's just going to be a part of these games, right? I mean, yeah, I know. And that, that's if I mean, the only way that we knew that that's that the payoff would have happened is because we looked it up is because like part of I think part of what makes these games fun is to follow along with those flow charts online or to look up endings. Like I spent half the time doing the research on this pod looking up endings and that was fun. But like it's not part of my experience of the game necessarily. You see, I disagree. I, I disagree with you because for me, that is part of the, I consider that part of my experiences. I love when there's a game with multiple endings where after I beat it, I go and see what else could have happened. And just like looking back and seeing, oh, like that's what that choice, man. That's what could, I don't know. That's like with the game like this, that post research that you do into the game is 100% a part of the game. Really? That's a it's, debatable topic, I think. I think it's fun. I mean, yeah, I'm not sure how to even do I think it's a personal thing, honestly. I, yeah, I, I get because I know I mean, because I mean, you and I just don't have the time to go and replay these games right all the way through. And a lot of people don't as well in general, or they have other games they want to play. So I think it's totally reasonable to do do that instead of going through and replaying the game and to still get that gratification and just that knowledge of, oh, that's what could have happened. Right. Um, yeah, that's yeah, where I yeah. On that. I yeah, I know it's it's not really. I mean, you. I think you and I both view the choice thing a little bit differently. I mean, my my issue with it is that you make choices that possibly have a payoff, but because there's choices before a potential payoff, it, it the payoff may not even you may not even see the payoff. That's that's like kind of. I mean, that's life though, the, right? <laughs> no, well, it's like it's not that. It's just it's more like this story. I mean, life life doesn't doesn't have a payoff but like so what, what you're upset is that because you died you didn't get to see the payoff of your choice right exactly so what was the point of making that choice a so you make choice a which leads to choice b which leads to choice so you're c, but actually, none of that matters you're because asking, you missed a quick time you're sequence and you died for less agency in a game i'm not asking for less agency in a game no, i think no you are. that's it's not that's <laughs> not 
<laughs> I'm not asking for less agency in the game. I'm asking for a game. I'm asking for someone to set something up and make it have a payoff, right? But you can't do that in a game like this. That's the point I'm making. You cannot guarantee that kind of thing in a game where the player is choosing their own adventure and creating their own story, essentially, which is what's happening here. And agency is not the same thing as controlling a story, right? Like you can have agency in a number of different ways in a video game. But with this, you're controlling the literal beats of the story and interrupting payoffs based on choices. That is my point. And there's no, I mean, we just view it differently. There's no, there's no agreeing on this. It's just the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I loved Oxenfree, right? It's the same kind of game. It's like you make choices and like they have a, some have a payoff. I think in Oxenfree, it's a little more you seize a payoffs a little bit better, I think, and it's a shorter game and it kind of is easier to play through and it makes you want to play through it because there's other elements to that game. But with this one, it's like, okay, am I going to play through again and like just watch him die the other way? Cause he could have died more than he could have died in another four ways before he got shot in the face. You know what I mean? I don't know it's, it's, there's definitely a sliding scale for the effectiveness of a choose your own adventure game. And I, I haven't played a ton of these kinds of games, but we did play Oxenfree for a Halloween game last year. Yes. And I think it did do a better job of doing a choose your own adventure narrative over this. And I know that you're going to agree with that. I mean, yeah, I won't. I love Oxenfree. Yeah. That's one of my favorite <laughs> games. Yeah. That was a cheap yeah, shot. So, <laughs> no, no, but there's a sliding. My point is there's a sliding scale. Yeah. I, and and I think that it's not, it's not a matter of just pure agency or not, or things paying off or not, I think that you can strike that balance. You can solve that challenge if you're really condensing your game, if you're doing what Oxenfree does, where there's like key choke points in the story that have to happen, where certain characters have to appear. And there's also the story itself of Oxenfree, which creates a need to go back or really like a demand for the player to have to go back and play it, where this doesn't really have that element. Well... Oxenfree, I think that's a little unfair. Cause, well, I, I don't know if that is unfair or not. Oxenfree is amazing because replaying the game is in, in, inherent. It's tied to it's, your it's, first playthrough. It's not even just that it's tied like, oh, it's, I mean, it is tied, but like the game's narrative doesn't actually end after the first playthrough is the thing. Yeah. Like the game I, yeah. is designed by intention for a second playthrough. Yeah, exactly. Which is exactly a very unique thing in games, I think. Mm hmm. Like it's a new That's game right. plus mode, but it's not just like, oh, you have this unlocked already or something. It's like a right. very clearly builds on the narrative of the first playthrough. But that's a that's a topic for another day whenever Oxenfree 2 comes out. Um, <laughs> uh, All right. Let's, let's, let's move into game design. We could argue about this for okay. another hour. <laughs> we could. We could. Actually, you know, I'll invite the people of the Discord to, you know, give us, give us your thoughts really about what you think. I mean, is looking up different endings or different pathways that your character could have taken. Is that part of your experience with playing the game? Let us know in the discord. Please do. Um, do, do you feel like these kind of games where you choose your own adventure, do payoffs not pay off? Do you care? Do you not care? Let us know. All right, moving into game design. Uh, I'll go first. I, I There's a few subtle things with the game design that I really appreciate. Um, this game rewards exploration. That's like a big oversight, I think. Mm -hmm. and the more I thought about it, it really rewards exploration because if you go down a pathway or a hallway that is not the, the primary path, then you'll find a clue. Uh, you'll find a totem. More will get revealed to you. 
Um, and you get to watch like a little bit of a mini movie as well. The more clues you get, the more totems you unlock. You kind of get this cool montage of the backstory of why these Wendigos are around, who these monsters are, who's killing all your friends. So that was really cool. Um, it rewards the player for going an extra mile. Love that. Video games should always do that. Um, and clues are essential to unraveling the backstory of the game. So I, I appreciate the designers. Like, I feel like you can take only the primary path through and just rush through and basically not know anything about the backstory. Yeah. And not really. I mean, I'm sure that the creepy homeless guy is going to tell you what the Wendigos are and who the monsters are, but you're probably not going to figure out a lot of things, especially with how Hannah and Beth actually died and things like that. Spoiler alert. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think... Especially in a, a game like this, where it, typically in games like this, whether it's Oxen Free, um, Detrypicum Human, Heavy Rain, what have you, although Oxen Free does have this in its own ways, but um, typically with these kind of like narrative driven games, there's not a lot of, you know, reward for straying off the path. Uh, I mean, that's just kind of the nature of linear games in general, right? They're very, they're, they're linear by nature. Yeah. Um, so they don't typically put a lot of focus on that, but. The game until dawn does a very good job of giving you a reason to want to stray off that path and to look for these totems because you get one you get yeah like this really cool interesting movie that gives you insight into you know the story and what's actually happening as you play and then you also get interesting insights into potential player deaths because you unlock you find these things called totems which basically show you possible possible futures of the game like what could potentially right. happen um which is, it's a good way to encourage exploration. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, the game itself, right? It's just a combination of quick time events, walking, and exploration. Lots of walking. Yeah. Right? And their exploration is like exploration light. I mean, it's just going yeah. down a different path for like a minute. A minute, yeah. Yeah. But, I don't know, it, I, it's fun. I, the quick time events are done really, really well, I think, actually. I know you and I were both struggling. I mean, I killed at least two characters because I fucked up quick time events. They were tense. Um, they were, they, they were, were tense they were really they were tense. And they had one in particular that I loved where I don't know if this counts as quick time event, but where like if um, when the Wendigos, which and to clarify for everyone, the Wendigos are like basically people infected by a curse that once they eat, once they turn into cannibals and they turn into like these feral Wendigo creatures um, mm -hmm. kind of look like the um, Remus Lupin as a werewolf from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of the Azkaban, if you will. <laughs> I, I, was gonna, I was gonna say they look like the things from uh, I Am Legend. They look like No, the they're way those. skinnier and way more stretched. Well, yeah. They, well, they, they look way more animalistic. Yeah, but they're bald and they're their skin bald. Is, their, yeah. skin, their skin is all, yeah, yeah. And their skin is gray. Their skin is gray. They're, come on. I don't know, Chief. Let us know, chat in the Discord, what you think. <laughs> I Am Legend, Wendigos, who knows? I mean, I'm so off. I don't even know what, to I don't know what I was talking about. Um, there's a quick time event where if you're being hunted by a Wendigo or something else for that matter, you the the it, this game is played on PlayStation 4. It's a PS4 exclusive. And the PlayStation controller has a function in it where it has like some motion detection. And in these moments where you're getting hunted and you're hiding, it has this specific like don't move action where if the controller moves just an inch too much, and it's pretty fucking sensitive, actually, if you it move, is. Um, you'll get discovered during that quick time event. And 
I had one where at the end of the game, oh my god, where that, that came up, and I knew I was, I, I knew if I was holding it, I'd fuck it up because we we had fucked up several up to that point, I think. Which yeah. Up, thankfully up to the point, none with any severe consequences. But this was like the final act, and we were being hunted by a Wendigo, and they like again spoilers. The one of the main ways they see is not they don't necessarily see you, but they sense motion. So right when the quick time event came up, I got scared and I tried to like throw the controller down, but it was too late. Yeah. And, and then the Wendigo saw him, killed his character. That was RIP. RIP. Yeah. But it, it's yeah, fun the, and they do it really well, right? And I also liked the game really leaned into and this will be something that'll be fun once we you and I have finally managed to acquire PS5s. Is uh, PlayStation is a lot with their controller. Where I mean, like I know the newest PlayStation controller has haptic feedback, and in this specific example, you know, had like the motion for the don't move quick time events, as well as um, even just like swiping through a book. They had you like swipe on the controller on their touchpad, which I, I mean, it's cool. not like a crazy feature, but it's just like a fun little extra thing they add, which I personally enjoy. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah, the quick time events were really well done. I thought they were tense. Uh, they weren't extremely, they weren't like too demanding or too difficult, but you had to be on a high alert when you were doing any sort of quick time event, which was cool. Um, and yeah, just the ways they took advantage of some things on the controller were really cool. Um, and I really like those. Um, I mean, as far as game design, the big thing with the game design is the choices that you make at certain moments. Um, I mean, they, I, they throw in your face the butterfly effect, right? Yeah, they really yeah. do, which I'm not sure if I really l like that necessarily. I feel like it would have been kind of cool if it wasn't there at all. Um, I, I'm not sure what it adds, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, and I think here's what else I think. Them adding the butterfly effect the way they did, because to be clear, whenever there's a massive of whenever you make a massive choice during the game, there's literally like a butterfly thing that floats up in the upper right hand or upper left cor hand corner of your screen. I think that is, it, it adds stress to the latter parts of the game because you're looking to see where that choice pays off, that specific choice. And I think because it had that in this game, I that contributed to how you feel about the choices being paid off in this game. Mm -hmm. It also explicitly calls out a choice you made as mattering, yeah. but um, it it's unclear what choices. Again, it's that setup payoff thing. Some of those choices just don't like you get the butterfly effect on a certain choice that you make, but then that choice possibly doesn't matter. Yeah, because you fail a quick time event and somebody just dies. So it I don't know. It's it's sort of like a it just shouldn't be there at all just to not clue you. And it should be more of a gut feeling type thing. I know that some games do it a little bit differently. I know you're telling me about like the Telltale games will kind of like clue you in not in not such a direct way. Yeah, they'll say, oh, Kenny will remember that if you say something yeah. a certain character. That's kind of a little bit more like, oh, OK, like. A little bit less than like a butterfly graphic on a screen and a big ding. Yeah, and then yeah. even in the beginning of the game to the, I mean, there's a whole dialogue conversation between Sicko Mode and Hayden and Petinari's character where they're just like, bro, butterfly effect, fuck. Yeah, and, um, yeah. I think maybe that and like one more like joke about it later on in the game would have been enough to make you pay attention to your choices rather than having a visible like watermarked butterfly on the screen. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, I do have one thing I want to bring up here, which is a quote from a review um, on the character deaths. And this, I think, 
we'll see if you agree with this one, but this is Philip Collar or Philip Collar at Polygon. He's the one that gave this uh, game the 6.5 out of 10, the lowest score I saw on their aggregate score. Uh, Philip wrote, wrote specifically about the character deaths, and I'm going to read his quote here. Okay. It says, My problem then is that some of the death conditions in Until Dawn felt completely arbitrary. That is not to say that I played perfectly. At least two of the deaths in the game legitimately came from poor choices on my part. From responding thoughtlessly during an action sequence and from failing to fully search an area and find an important piece of information hidden there. But the other two deaths, they were from fa failing quick time events. Lightning fast on-screen button flashes. These are until Dawn's shortcut for action sequences in a, in a game designed mostly for storytelling. Whenever you get into a chase or a fight, you'll need to tap buttons within seconds of them appearing on the screen. Those aren't the worst part, though. The game employs a special challenge during the action sequences where if your character is hiding, you need to hold the controller completely still for a set amount of time. So he's referring to the demand of those quick time sequences that actually occur. Um, I know they weren't super hard for us. I think we may have quicker reaction time. <laughs> I know there's gamers that have quicker reaction time than us, but yeah. as far as game gamers go or casual gamers, or whatever, we probably have pretty decent reaction time. And yeah. like we quite, we almost failed at some of those quick time events and we did fail some of those quick time events. And I can imagine if you just had very slow reaction time as a gamer, you're not really playing any games that require those. The game pr probably could have been pretty frustrating for you if it just turned into character deaths dying because you miss this, you miss this, but that's the way it goes. It's kind of a, it's, it's kind of, uh, this game's not for everybody kind of conversation you start having. Um, because if you're going to fail quick time, like there was basically every character had a way to die from a quick time event of like not pushing triangle at the correct time. Well, all right. But maybe some of those choices led to a quick time event, right? For example, Lucas coming out and axing the moose that was surrounding <laughs> us led yeah. to one of our characters being falling off the cliff. <laughs> but I did survive that quick time. You event. did survive that quick time yeah. event. <laughs> but okay, I'll give an example though of something that is very, very clear. So what? What? I'm just just the, laughing about the moose thing. That was that was good. Or that was a good moment. <laughs> so so with Jessica, right? In the final sequence when you're escaping from the mines with Jessica. I, I believe that I lucked into her surviving because uh, all of the choices for her are run, hide, run, hide. You get like three or four run, hide choices and then a couple of don't move checks. OK, the don't move checks completely like up to me to, to pass those. But the run versus hide, that, those are just 50 50s, right? Like, I will give you she that. Lived, that's totally she lived. arbitrary. Yeah, yeah, that's totally arbitrary. And like, I mean, if she died there, I just wouldn't have cared. I just would have been like, okay, well, I didn't even care that she lived. I was just like, okay, I just got lucky on all these choices. It wasn't clear what the right choice was. Um, and you only have like three seconds to make the choices. So it's not like you can think through them. The Ashley death is not complete bullshit, but it's a little bit bullshit. You are given one clue that the Wendigos imitate their prey and then you hear your friend's voice you check under a hatch then just get your head ripped off right, so it's like go, yeah. okay i should have known that but god damn it <laughs> <laughs> it's still like fuck <laughs> it was still like a you go left you die you go right you live and it wasn't a quick time thing it was just knowing a piece of knowledge that that one's okay that one's just I, I, I'm just mad that I died. That I died. <laughs> that, one, that one made me mad. But you, the Jess one is for sure just 50-50s, like three 50-50 choices in a row. And then I mean, there's, there's a few others like that in there too, I think. And well, yeah, it is a little bit of a bummer when a game doesn't have a way to make 
choices or to make result or to make potential outcomes have as meaningful ways to engage in them. And I think that's just, again, kind of what you're saying, like it's just the nature of this game because it's either that or it's an actual action game and you're fighting the Wendigo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, so which sounds sick too. Which it, it does sound sick. So it's a very fine line they have to balance. And I think that's kind of probably a complaint with, I think you could probably find across any game that really heavily takes on two quick time events. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit, I'll never forget. I was playing um, just for myself. Actually, I streamed, I streamed this one back in the day too. Um, <laughs> Indigo uh, Prophecy, which is like one of the OG quick time choose your adventure games. Um, and there were so many quick time events that I would just like fuck up for no reason. I would like just cause restarts at certain points or I'd have to restart like a boss battle. That was a five minute quick time event sequence. And it's just like, fuck man, it was just got exhausting. (laughs) So there is a little bit of like, it's definitely just a product of the genre, I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, yeah, I, I'm just still mad about Ashley's death. Let's just let's just <laughs> be just, honest. It's just it's that you fucked. How, well, let's talk, let's talk about it. how many character deaths were you responsible for? How many was I responsible for? Well, do, are you counting the butterfly effect setups? Or are you just talking about I'm talking in the moment? In the moment that we were playing, I think I okay. I, I had to confirm. But I don't know for sure. I had sickle Sam man, and, Sam. and I had Sam. I killed Ashley, hundred mm-hmm. percent. And it's unclear whether I killed Matt. Unclear, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean. I'm not gonna lie. The only way Matt could have survived—that's another one that's kind of dumb. Like, the only way Matt could have survived is if we gave him. Actually, no, that is your fault. You totally could have saved Matt. You could have. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, okay. you could have. D- didn't left. Didn't the, he have a really specific uh, win condition for his survival? He had two. So there's a sequence in the game, everyone, where Matt and Emily, a couple, are on top of like a radio tower trying to get help. Radio tower gets attacked, falls down. Um, and Matt has two choices. Falls falls into the mines. Matt has two choices. He can either A, try and help Emily, who's in a worse spot than he is, and Emily's his significant other, or he can B, jump to safety on his own and just kind of say, fuck Emily. I was telling Luke's like, this Emily girl sucks. Just jump to safety. And if you had jumped to safety, you would have been fine. Um, But Emily would have died. I I think she would have had another chance still, from what I remember Uh, reading. But the way for him to survive if you tried to save her was... When you found a flare gun to give that flare gun to him to have him so he could shoot at the Wendigo. Oh, okay. Because she never did anything with that flare gun, if you remember. Uh, because you missed the flare gun check, if I recall correctly. No, no, you just grabbed the flare gun and you just kept it to yourself. No, no, there was a flare gun check and you're supposed to shoot the Wendigo that's chasing her on the conveyor belt. And because you missed the flare gun check, she got bit. And oh, then that's what, that was which me. led to yeah, yeah, yeah. another. Actually, okay, hang on. This is kind of interesting talking this talking this out. Uh, okay, still Ashley death death complete, complete <laughs> bullshit. Uh, you know, honestly, I think the only way you can really solve it. I'm not sure if Oxenfree really does this as clearly, but there needs to be something that's not so binary. It shouldn't be like you die if you pick this choice. You live if you pick this choice. It should be like, there's a clue down this way and like a quick time event, you get paralyzed if you go this way. You kind of live if you go this way, but you get bit this way. Like maybe like a little bit more subtlety in like in it, you know? I know maybe that's just a lot more to think about, but it just, it feels weird when you're given a 50-50 choice, no context. If you go left, you die. If you go right, you live. It just feels very like kind of lame. Yeah, I, 
I honestly, other than Jessica, I don't remember that many that were that egregious of 50s or excuse Ashley. me, of Jessica. Um, like the run versus the hide thing. But I, 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 I hear where you're coming from. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We'll move on. Uh, unless you got anything else for game design. Uh, no, sir. All right. Art style. This game looks great. I know. Uh, my <laughs> This game looks so good, in fact, that our PS4 was dropping frames. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It, it looks really great. good. It looks really I'm, good. I'm actually blown away. You know, I think that Supermassive uh, definitely has a niche with story-driven games, interactive games, and things like that. A lot of horror, you know. Mm -hmm. Or if not, all their games are pretty much horror games, right? Or scary in some sort uh, of way. I think so, yeah. So they got a great niche, but you know, if you go to their website, I was kind of browsing around there for a second. Um, I mean, they're state of the art. I mean, they're using like mocap, they're using like actors, they have high budgets. Uh, they're they're a high quality triple A studio focused on like art style, quality, and graphics and things like that. So this game is a 2015 PS4 game. It looks better than a lot of games that came out later in the same generation. Um, granted this doesn't have as much, it's not as fast of a game, but like we're playing through our next game right now. I'm not sure if we can mention it. Should we mention the next game we're playing? Yeah, this looks way better. Not. This looks way better than control. We're playing control yeah. everybody, uh, in our next game and kind of playing through that right now. Looks way, way better, way, way better. It's better load times. It has uh, higher quality graphics. Um, I know they're operating on different engines, but Control came out four years after this game in the same generation. Both so logically for that, like the same generation. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know this game. It just kind of tells you where Supermassive as a studio is at. They put quality, but this looks better than Cyberpunk as from what like from what I played of Cyberpunk. Well, from um, our experiences with Cyberpunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably the majority of people's experiences with Cyberpunk. I can't wait to that. play that game in five years when it's complete. Dude, you know that they actually delayed Cyberpunk for uh, PS5 and Series X already? No way. Yeah, so it's not even coming out on the next generation even pathetic. even soon. <laughs> I think it's and then and then they're doing The Witcher after that. Uh, yeah, they're talking about an IGN game scoop. It is pretty sad. That's honestly. depressing. Yeah, I think it's like a 2020. Uh, oh man, it's like late 2022 or something like that. Fuck. Yep. Anyway, uh. Mocap was great. Acting actors did they the really made him come was alive. Really good. The, yeah, I want to give a, a special shout out to. Oh shoot, I have the actor's name here somewhere. Um, Remy Malik. Roll yes, Remy. Um, love that man. The actor that played Doctor Hill, um, um, the psychiatrist. Oh yeah, Swedish actor, I believe. Yeah, I had his name written down here somewhere. Yeah, he was one of the most interesting parts of the game for me, uh, just the character, Dr. Hill. And I think that the mocap on him, the acting coming off of him, the voice acting coming out of him was just really, really great. Um, and incredible and, facial expressions, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, the subtlety that they were able to really capture for facial expressions was really good too. I think so. So there's the uncanny Valley, right? Which is where someone looks too realistic and then, but their eyes look dead kind of thing that's like kind of the problem with some like that's the polar express that's, the yeah, that's polar, polar express you know yeah so like this is like it's so high quality that my brain is just like this is just a movie this is this is just real life you know what i mean like i feel like when i played in when i played until dawn I peter feel stormer like, yeah peter stormer really good guy really good actor um 
playing until dawn i'm my brain is at the point where it is looking at these graphics and it is basically just saying that this is real life especially when you're seeing real actors like remy malik yeah you're like yeah this is just a movie i'm watching it's not even like a game we've officially transcended as far as graphical power to the movie realm mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah i mean the it was so good and then yeah you, you said it all the mocap was great the performances were great the set pieces were really well done um very creepy really set the atmosphere well the the lighting i really want to give a shout out to i don't know yeah. why but i was so impressed with the lighting of this game more so than i think any game we've played actually on this podcast the lighting was just so good well alan wake is like a it's, it's all lighting. it's all light <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but the lighting was so so good in this game i mean alan wake did actually they just not i i i jest but alan wake was a good good lighting as well but it, it looked just really really good and i was just very impressed with how it looked overall i i wish the frames weren't dropping at certain points that i know it didn't bug you that much but it bugged me a little bit but other than that yeah. it uh it was great yeah yeah all right sound design uh voice yeah, acting yeah. great yeah great voice acting um i i don't think the music particularly stood out to me in any sort of way i think the wendigos were really well 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 sound designed um, there was like a lot of like gun noises, mechanical noises, flamethrower noises and things like that, that were all of course really good, really solid and good. Um, but the voice acting takes the cake as far as the sound design portion of the game, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to give a shot. I don't know the name of the actress, but whatever actress, I'll find it. Whatever actress played, um, Emily was yeah. absolutely incredible. <laughs> I was so she made me hate Emily's character because she was so good at doing like the typical like rich girl spoiled type type yeah. voice, you know? Um, yeah, that actress talks about it in, uh, there's a video you could watch on YouTube, which is called just Until Dawn Voice Actors and Behind the Scenes. It's like a 30 minute video I was checking out, um, kind of the making of Until Dawn. All the voice Bloom. actors. Yeah, all the, all the voice actors talk on it, including Remy, which is crazy just like, I mean, this is a video from 2015, and it's like knowing where Remy Malik's career has gone now. It's like, dang, this guy is like interviewing like behind the scenes for a video game. Yeah. It's like pretty crazy. Oh, I totally uh, forgot that they used like mocap for these guys too. I'm like, why do all these yeah. actors look like their characters? <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> um, percent. Yeah, it's great. I mean, okay, so the, we've talked about this before on this podcast with voice acting and video games. It's like you play something like 12 minutes, right? Where you cast really like a three top A-list actors, even more A-list than Remy and Hayden and the other guy from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. who's also in Until Dawn. My na his name is slipping my mind. But it's not the quality of the actor or the, high, the, the profile of the person you're getting to be in your video game. It really comes down to the execution of the team. Yeah. Like this, the reason why the voice acting all worked in this game and not 12 minutes is because the team was able to execute on on the actors themselves, right? Like they planned well, they they recorded lines and the lines fit the acting of the character. Like that's an incredibly hard thing to do, especially after playing 12 minutes. That was one of our biggest critiques. And even Johnny Silverhand in, yeah. in Cyberpunk, like it feels like Keanu Reeves delivery doesn't fit the situation that Johnny not Silverhand is in. I mean, you can because... tell that this is a game. I mean, you can tell that they actually sat down in a room and acted these out, right? It wasn't just yeah. them going into 
recording booths like they were there in person probably together acting these scenes out and it just it shows exactly it totally shows like i mean i don't want voice acting in a video game to go any other way because otherwise you're going to end up with johnny silverhand which is like let's just pay this guy a fuckload of money get him to go to a recording studio and record his lines who cares yeah. how he delivers them and we'll he, just figure and it out <laughs> uses likeness on the character because he's famous yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas this, this is how you use likeness, right? This is how you use like Remy Malik or Hayden Pantier. They they did so much more with Hayden Pantier and Remy Malik's likeness than the CD Projekt Red did with with Keanu Reeves, and that costs quadruple way. It costs way way more money to do the Keanu Reeves thing, right? Yeah. So it comes down to the execution of the studio, and Supermassive did a really good job with this one for sure. And it's harder. It's harder than people think. It is. Yeah, especially after having played games where it's very clearly not good. It's yeah. very refreshing to get a game where it is done so well. Yeah, for sure. All right. You got anything else for sound design? That's all for me, King. All right. NPC award. Ooh, Ooh. good one. There, there. Honestly, you play as every character in the game except for a few. So you can't. All those people are not eligible for this. Award. It's really only four or so. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm sure we have go the first. same one. Um, yeah. Uh, you want to try? You want to do it on three? Sure. One, two, three. Doctor Hill. Hill. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. He's. I mean, he's yeah, you and I the whole time parts. we were playing, we were just raving about it. Um, yeah. His performance. I mean, we already talked about him a lot. Is so so good, and he does these weird things with his face during the, like psychiatry sessions that he has with Josh. That's just so. It, it, it adds to like the dreamlike experience that it, it's kind of coming off as. And it's just so unsettling because it's totally it's not how a normal human would act. And it, it's just so well done. And his voice acting yeah. is so good. And I've never seen such good facial expressions in acting, I don't think. Yeah, totally, totally like great subtlety in that. And I remember even you said you were like, is his dialogue off? from his animations and I'm like no dude I think that's how he's playing it. Yeah. It's like very I know we're you know majority of people are only going to hear this but it's like he's like go oh. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he kind of like does this thing with his face where he's like not it's so subtle it's so good. Yeah. That that was great. It's like he's intentionally making his words not match his mouth. Like he'll say okay, he'll do it like ventriloquist style so like his mouth will only move a little bit. I feel like tilt yeah. his head weirdly at you or something. Yeah, totally. It's very clearly intentional, which yeah. is really cool. Um, I think he's the most one of the most interesting parts of the game, uh, barring like the the literal monsters in the game. Uh, he is like the coolest part for me because his the fear that he instills uh, as as an actor and for his storyline it kind of goes beyond. It feels very supernatural. It feels like madness. It's very scary. And like every time he showed up on screen, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, yeah. let's hear what he has to say, you know? I actually got really sad that I think that's why I didn't enjoy the final third of the game as much, is because for us, Josh does die in our in our playthrough. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, we're not gonna see the psychiatrist anymore because the psychiatrist turned out to be inside Josh's head. You so, know what sucks? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we talked about this, but spoilers. The only two outcomes for Josh is he either dies or turns into a Wendigo. Into a Wendigo, yeah. yeah. yeah is it I Wendigo know. or Wendigo? Uh, Wendigo. They, said Wend Wendigo. they said Wendigo in yeah. the game, but I've always read it as Wendigo. Hmm. Mandela yeah. effect. <laughs> <laughs> Mandala Mandala, effect. excuse me. Ma no, I'm just kidding. No, you, oh, fuck. Man, it's, it's man, yeah, that was, that was a joke. Uh, that it's, was man, a it's Mandela effect. Skip it, Bob. Because <laughs> Nelson Mandela. 
who died in prison, right? No. That's the premise of the Mandela effect. Did he die in prison? No, he did not. But okay. there's the 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 Mandela effect is that people think that he did. Oh. Um, yeah, but then we all saw Invictus. He became president. Yeah. <laughs> who who is the who is in that? Uh, was that Matt, Matt Damon? Damon yeah. Rug, rugby. Yeah. Fun fact. I uh, in my first my freshman year of college, I had a short stint where I was interested in politics, so I interned at a political office. Um, I and, forgot about that. Yeah, I entered at a political office, and during the interview, they asked me who my favorite politician was. And up to that point, I really wasn't that well versed in politics. And I wanted to say Richard Nixon because I think he's funny because I'm from your Belinda, your California, Belinda. <laughs> and that's where Richard Nixon was born. And I think he's so funny because he went out with peace signs when he was clearly about to get impeached, but he resigned. So funny. Um, probably not a great guy. Not the point. But I was like, all right, I can't say that. Like, that's not the right answer. I cannot justify it. And I had just recently watched Invictus for the first time. So I said Nelson Mandela. I love that. And they asked me why. And I think I just said. <laughs> did you see Invictus? <laughs> I was like, I like what he did for his country. And I got, great I, got, I got the internship. It was great. Wow. <laughs> That's great. And that, I know I know you you signed that NDA. You can't really talk about all the stuff you did. Oh yeah. Um, but I know uh, I know you're up to uh, some scheming. I was I was so, scheming yeah. over there in San Diego yeah. County, baby. Yeah, yeah, dude. A lot going on over there. Uh, I'm not I'm not trying to say I was involved in the Chargers leaving, but give uh, <laughs> <skip> it about. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. Talk talk to the front office over there. Talk see to the front they, office. See, yeah. Ask them who their biggest fear is. <laughs> Matt Rockavy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, companion piece pick. Um, I'll start. I think most obvious one that I one I wanted to pick was Cabin in the Woods. Well, we've talked about that so much by itself already. I wanted to go for a different one, um, and actually, it's not even that obvious. There's so many you could pick for this because it's just like a very stereotypical like slasher movie. But I think Cabin in the Woods would be the most stereotypical one for me. But I went with Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, Lucas, I know you haven't seen this film. The whole plot is. Um, some like high school college age you know the you know the stereotype kids go out for right. uh, a um go out to like the r- rural wherever to like a swamp um for, isn't like, it a canadian movie too uh no i'm not sure it might be it's been so long since i've seen it but um it's like these kids going out on vacation and there's just these two hobos living in the area tucker and dale and then they're just like trying to be friends with these kids and they just keep accidentally like not killing them themselves, but because the kids get scared, they keep getting themselves accidentally killed. Everyone thinks it's Tucker and Dale and everyone should watch it. It's a super funny film. Uh, really recommend it. I heard I've heard uh, really good things about this movie over the horror, years. Horror satire film to be clear with everyone. Yeah, yeah. 2012, 2010 film uh, actually filmed in Canada, in the United States. So there you go. My memory, my memory was on point. Um, great choice right there. Uh, I'm sure a lot of our audience has seen that movie. I know it was a Netflix uh, darling for a little while just because when Netflix, like back then when you can stream stuff, I remember Tucker and Dale versus Evil was always on. Um, all right. My companion piece pick is Evil Dead by Sam Raimi. Uh, really awesome classic horror movie, Cabin in the Woods style movie. Um, possibly invented the cabin in the woods trope. Um, great film debate there, or popularized it at the very least from my uh, film heads out there listening. Uh, Evil Dead is sick as hell. Um, like I, I just think it's balls to the walls horror. It's gory. It's it's like just insanity. Um, I think everyone should watch it once. 
Uh, once is probably going to be enough for you. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is also really great, of course. Uh, but like e Evil Dead is such a cult classic. It's so good. Um, I mean, I, I try to watch it every other year at the very least. I think I saw Evil Dead 2 a couple years ago. I'm probably due for a rewatch, but really, really sick movie. It's so interesting that he did the Evil Dead and then did the first three Spider-Mans. <laughs> I know. And then he did. Did you ever see the movie Drag Me to Hell? That's another Sam Raimi. Movie. No, I'm I, not. I, that is a really good scary movie for sure. Um, it's also Sam Raimi. So he's he's a really underrated horror director. It's kind of funny that he went the Spider-Man route. And to be clear, Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2 are good, like genuinely good yeah. movies. Um, they just they're they're pre like Marvel money era, like Disney uh, Marvel era for for superhero movies. So it's a little bit different, but I think they're great. Yeah. Um, Sam, shout out Sam Raimi. He's he's directing the next uh, Doctor Strange movie. That's pretty sick. It's getting me excited. I'm really excited make... for it because that that whole thing they're leading into is like just craziness with the multiverse and like what is and isn't real. So. I'm really hoping there's just some kind of horror elements in it because be I'll never sick. forget that chains or that hospital scene in uh, Spider-Man 2 freaked me the fuck out in the movie theaters. You know the one I'm talking about with they're trying to remove amputate Doc Ock's arms. Oh the, yeah, arms yeah, rather. yeah. And then that the, terrified the, the, me the, when I was a kid. And the light thing broke. The light the thing. thing. The thing that prevents the arms from controlling him. Yeah, the like chip yeah. inhibitor. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. Wait, I do want to touch on something, though, before we move on from companion piece. Okay. Until Dawn is Pacific Northwest Corps. Yeah. 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 So uh, this... I think it takes place that, in Canada, doesn't it? So here's so here's the tricky part. <laughs> it's either it's Pacific Northwest Corps, but it's actually Pacific Southwest Corps. So, because it takes place, because it's a Canadian, like, it takes place in Canada and Alberta. And uh, for those of you that have been listening to the pod for a while, um, we made the discovery in the, Alan in the Alan Wake episode that there is a genre of movies and video games and TV shows that all follow the same conventions, dark forests, cable car, literally cable cars, like, are in every one of these kinds of things. Are, There's a cable car yeah. in Oxenfree. There was a cable car in Alan Wake. There's a cable car in pretty much it there. I'm sure there's one in life is strange. <laughs> I'm calling it. I haven't played life is strange. I have, but it hits every other troop. So it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we need to do yeah, that one for so, the podcast. That's another fun yeah. one. Yeah. So uh, yeah, for sure. I know that's been on our, our list for a while, but uh, yeah, it was cool. Kind of going back to, to the dark forest roots. Uh, and it, it, it's always, it's always fun to kind of experience those tropes over again, caves, uh, snow, mountains, forests, and things like that. So it was exciting to get another Pacific Northwest Core video game on the books here. Yes, 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 yes. And um, yeah, I can't wait for that to be in the dictionary. And it's just like <laughs> defined know, by just... Lucas Luna. Yeah, thanks for yeah. playing. Love it. Um, favorite moments. Uh, I'll go ahead on this one. I gotta, I'll, I'll be quick. And it wasn't even my favorite moment per se, but it was the one that impacted me the most. And um, Chris, aka Sicko Mode's death. Yeah, that's mine too. Um, wow. I uh, this was one of the characters that died because I fucked up. I um, it was a quick, it was a quick time event where you have to like aim your gun at a Wendigo properly, and there's two choices: you can either shoot the Wendigo or shoot like barrels of fire behind it. And I, I was acing every quick time event uh, up to this point. And they were a bunch of the same. Um, oh yeah, acing it. Acing. Well, I just yeah. there's a bunch that were like this before. And I, I went, I started bringing it to the Wendigo and I was like, wait, 
the I want to shoot the barrels. <laughs> so like half a second into this quick time event, after I'd already moved my controller one way, which I know what I'm saying half a second, but bear in mind this is like maybe a 1.5 to two second event at most. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I try bringing my crosshairs back to the barrels, and it just doesn't get there in time. And sicko mode gets got a, his head got his off. head yeeted <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, that was insane. And I, I remember I was just like. The rest of that night, I was just like, Lucas, I don't, I don't, Dude, I don't feel I, good. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I like that character death because that was the first like actual character death. Yeah. Right. Because up until then, it was like, uh, it was all pranks by Josh or it was all like Josh messing with the, the rest of the friends. And then that was the first one that was the first confirmed real death where you're like, oh my God, this guy's head got ripped off. And I think I even said something like, yo, you think he's okay? <laughs> <laughs> you think he's all right? And then he just yeah. did a head roll. He, yeah. like, un, like undisputable death. Yeah. Completely. It was a bummer because, and I don't know. I mean, I think Lucas and I had both gotten a little attached to that character, actually, ironically. And I remember yeah. I just, I, I FaceTimed Lucas the next day. And this is like, bro, I'm, I'm still thinking about sicko mode. Yeah. <laughs> um, that that's honestly one of the first time, that's one of the first times in gaming where I was just like, oh fuck, I'm really upset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it first was funny too, because because it wasn't it, it like wasn't a bullshit quick time event, fifty fifty or anything. No, like, like yeah, it was I, there was just, a, there was a way to get it right, and I just like tried to get cute with it, and I fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just I, I actually felt bad. Yeah. yeah. Got cute with it. That's exactly the way I would put it. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, that's my favorite moment too. Um, again, because it was like the first undisputed character death where it's like, holy shit, this guy got his head ripped off. Like, there's no way he's alive right now. And um, it was brutal for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So I love that one. Um, we move on to nitpicks next. Um, I'm going to abstain because I think I already kind of gave my big nitpick, which is just the idea that the... The idea that game design is tricky with story and agency and things like that. Yeah, yeah. The only other one that um, the only one I want to build on or mention that I well, I already mentioned it actually was uh, the the frame rate did actually bug me a little bit because <laughs> obviously, really well, it's nothing as egregious to be clear as like cyberpunk. Like it's very playable and it still looks great the whole time, but it was very clearly like a little choppy at certain sections. Um, and that's always going to take points off for me because you should be, if you design a game for a platform, it should run perfectly on that platform. I mean, we'll I, just leave it at I, that. I'm yeah. so, uh, yep, 100% agree. And Shout out if to you wanna, Cyberpunk. Well, yeah, if you want to hear us expand into that, just listen to the Cyberpunk episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's all I have about that. But uh, would you play other games from this developer? Yeah, I would yeah, for sure. I would. I, I, would. I, I know um, you already have. I have not. Yeah, well, uh, have I? Little Nightmares, I thought. No, they didn't do the first one. They only did Little Nightmares 2 for some reason. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I guess uh, House I, of Ashes is next. House of Ashes. I'm really interested in the Dark uh, Meridian series or the Dark Anthology series that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dark Pictures the Anthology. The Dark Pictures Anthology. Man of Medan, mm-hmm. House of Ashes, Little Hope. Those all sound really great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really so the, this so, will be fun. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that this is kind of a once a year type of game to pick up. Like if... Uh, you know, me and Katie are bored one night, want to kind of play through something. House of Ashes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, if I will say some scared. of my favorite gaming memories have been just when I've been playing like these kind of games with my friends. Like I had a group of college. Um, shout out to Jill. Shout out to Nicole and that whole crew. Like we would just hang out. You know, shout out to Taylor. Got I had fun. In a, lot, a lot of shout outs. Yeah. Man. A, lot of, a lot of people. Um, 
we'd all just like hang out and like play these kind of games together and like switch off. Like we would do Oxen Free, Telltale, like a whole bunch of other different ones too. So shout out to that crew and really, really fun way to play games. And if you do have a significant other that's not that into video games, I think games like this of this genre, not even the horror genre, but like say Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, Oxen Free, um, any of the Telltale games, I think those are really great entry points into get introduce someone into games if that's your interest. Totally. Because totally. they're very I mean, friendly. They're, they're not that difficult, barring some of the quick time events here. Um, and there's no like typically no like super hard reaction events or anything like that. Totally. I, you know, it's funny is I was having this uh, thought to myself the other day because um, we're playing through control, like we said. And I think control has an incredible story so far. Like I love the world building. Um, I love the setting of it. I think it's so like it's just interesting. It's just really cool. Right. But that world building is trapped in a game that people will never that most like most audiences, most people, period, will never really be able to get through. Right. So I think control the world it, like it would be a really great television show. And my mom would love it because my mom loves like government conspiracies and like paranormal activity and telekinetic powers and stuff. But she'll never play control. It's not I'm, I wouldn't even be able to play control with her. Right. But if, there, if you had a sick story that was packaged in an interactive story game like House of Ashes or, you know, Until Dawn or Oxenfree, it kind of allows you and your friends to feel the same way as watching a TV show would feel like. But you're playing a video game at the same time. Yeah. And video games, uh, you know, they they can have some really interesting worlds. They can have some really great stories. And um, it sucks that there's going to be some stories out there. Think of like Eternal Darkness in our last episode. Great, great story, but it's tech it's trapped on a video game. Right? It is. <laughs> and we talked about how it would make a really sick TV show. Um, but until Dawn and other games like this, I do give them so much credit because they allow us to, you know, interact with non-gamers or experiencing those stories with non-gamers that most games we would never be able to do. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, final conclusive thoughts. Let's get some big Segoy of approval from me. It's a big yeah from me. Um, I enjoyed this game a lot, and I look forward to playing the other things that they do, and I hope to continue to make games in this space and in, uh, in this genre. Yep, I enjoyed this game a lot. Uh, I'm not quite sure. It gets, it gets my seal of approval, for sure. I'm not sure if I would have enjoyed it if I played it alone as much as our playthrough was just really fun. Um, especially just getting, you know, drunk and playing this game was really fun <laughs> for sure. Like that first night was great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were just screaming because there's a lot of jump square scares. Yeah. We haven't even talked about that, but we, there's uh, just a lot of really innocent jump scares that are great. We, uh, we played this on a Thursday night, the first time together or a Wednesday night, I want to say. And, oh, yeah, and, um, right. so it was the first times in a while I woke up, hung up over for work the next day. I, uh, yeah, I was, yeah. I remember I went to bed. I, I, I'll be honest, everyone. Matt, Matt Rocky, we drank a little responsibly that night. Um, uh, I was just, we were having fun. You know, the, the honey whiskey was on tap. Uh, <laughs> I think we killed like 70% of that bottle. It was an unopened fifth and we killed most of it. Um, <laughs> and I just remember I was trying to go to bed and I'm like, fuck, I have, I, I, I'm spinning. <laughs> yeah. And just to be clear, Matt drank more than me. I did. Yeah, I, did. <laughs> I was, hey, I was you, fighting demons that night. Yeah, <laughs> you were, you were. That was, yeah. that was fun. All right. Uh, I mean, my final conclusive thoughts of the game are kind of what I said. Um, I think it's a really fun game to play with. Yeah, like a group of people, a significant other. It's a very, very similar vibe to binging a TV show yes. with, with people. So treat it like that. You'll have a good time playing this game. Some of the quick time stuff. 
is bullshit completely. <laughs> I think we could both agree on that. Yeah. Um, it is what it is. But uh, watching people die in crazy ways is crazy, period. Um, so, yeah, uh, interesting game, super fun. Can't wait to play more super massive games in the future. Yes. Uh, and now it is time for our rating. So this is where, for those of you that haven't heard the podcast before, this is where me and Matt both give this a rating out of 10. We combine those scores and give it a score out of 20. That becomes the final rating usurping everything, including Metacritic somehow. All right, Matt, give your rating out of 10. Three... Two, one, seven. Okay. That gives this a 15 out of 20. I don't know how to do math. So 15 times five. No. 15 times Times five. What is that? What percent is this? Oh, God. Just forgot how to do it. 15, 30. Well, it's 80. It's 75. Oh, no. 75. You're right. You're right. Okay, cool. This game gets a 75%, which is very close to the Metacritic uh, rating. So, you know, I think we're right in there. Yeah. Uh, Well, that puts us in what? The uh, Kakashi Guy Zone? No, no. We're at a 15 out of 20. So we're in the Hinata Zone. Big Hinata fan. Yeah. Okay. That's a good zone to be in. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, everyone, I think that's all we got today. Um, If you want to hang out with your good buddy, Matt. You can find me online at uh, Twitter, Good Idea Matthew, or you could find um, find the podcast. You know, better yet, don't talk to me on my Twitter. Join, <laughs> join the podcast Discord. You can find it on our website, thanksforplaying.live, or you can go on to either of our uh, main social handles um, on Instagram and Twitter, which is uh, at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. If you go to the link tree there, you'll find a link, a button to join our Discord. Coming out, it's a good time. We talk about whatever, shoot the shit. It's fun. And you can get some special insights into what's coming up in the future and some little extra. You can find out what Lucas and I are always scheming about, what we're really thinking. Uh, it's a right. good time. And uh, as always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, even, uh, I don't know, shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod.gmail.com. Lucas, where can we find you? Uh, you could find me on Instagram at goodideaLucas. Uh, you'd probably find me more easily or DM me through Discord. Uh, going, again, join the Discord. Always starting some conversations in there. Shout out to Katie, who just joined today. Um, always supporting the pod in any way that she can. Love it. Thank you, Katie. All right, everyone. This has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skip it a bop. Thanks for playing is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Sammy Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch, Red Circle, 